In this episode, we discuss the film that doesn't even try for the bronze. I am number four. Welcome to the Flophouse. I'm Dan McCoy. I'm Stuart Wellington. And I'm Elliot Kalin. Uh, I thought I'd get a little more extravagant with my introduction there. Yeah, Did I noticed. You? Ba- you barely, Pick it up a notch. Barely. I think you <laughs> yeah. kept a little it, more it up one seventeenth of a notch. <laughs> well, I'm kind of a mess right now, so I didn't really, really notice. <laughs> yeah, Stuart's been through a lot. He found out that he was from another planet. His hands sure. got all what? glowy. Uh, he had to fight some aliens. I did that, didn't I? And my mm-hmm. father figure died and turned into dust. Turned into dust. He had to go to high school, get beat up by the bully. Yeah. Wow, I can't Why believe that. Why would I do that? that? Uh, I, I don't know. Why would I fight those aliens? I don't, well, because they were after you. Oh, okay. So it was like a def- self-defense? or Yes. Well, And you were saving the Earth from oh. aliens. Well, that's I'm amazed that you were jumping straight into the meat of this podcast. Well, what are we going to do? Well, normally we waste our time a little bit. Is well, we it, can waste some time. Is it because... So, Dan, what's that enchanting scent you're wearing? <laughs> Sweat. <laughs> so, I mean, is it because uh, we were featured in the Onion AV Club? Do you feel like what? you're Maybe. a little more I mean, pressure to be had, professional? We've had an episode up since then. Uh, yeah, but this is the first time we've taped since we that's true. saw the review. What are you that's talking true. about? We had one on the can. Uh, Stuart, I think you're familiar with this review. What are you talking about? Because of what it said about you, which was, in two words. I do have to say, uh, <laughs> listeners at home, I was looking at the internet the other day. And, uh, <laughs> Wait, so you're going to lo- just <laughs> pretend that you didn't know what we were talking about and then go into and then talk about it like you found it? Yeah, I'm like a, ba- I'm like a bashful guy. <laughs> <laughs> really okay. humble. We'll explain. So you're looking at the internet. I was looking at the internet, and I have you're, you're like one internet, review. please. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was looking at a little uh, review of podcasts, and uh, just so happened that our podcast, The Flophouse, was reviewed. And uh, I think my favorite part was, and I quote: <laughs> "You guys can correct me if I'm wrong." Equally funny, Stuart Wellington. That's, That's me. True. Mm-hmm. Stuart Welling was still Stuart Welling. Stuart what? was described as equally funny to me and Dan. So I did it. I so made it. Stewart did it. <laughs> I did it, guys. I'm just happy he's taking that as a compliment rather than an insult. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, like it's 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 not really a it's not so much a judgment uh, a value judgment as just like it's a big grudging admission. You guys yeah. don't understand. You guys are professional comedy writers. Well, mm-hmm. barely. Dan is kind of like an apprentice professional comedy writer. Yeah. So you're like a sorcerer's apprentice of. I'm the Jay Baruchel of the Daily. So show. there's like a prophecy. Very accurate. Yeah. There's a, there's a prophecy that you you're someday going to be the best comedy writer of all time. Mm, and Elliot's kind of schooling you, but he's kind of a dick about it. <laughs> that part is that true. Is accurate. Yes. Yeah, that part's very accurate. Yeah, we were reviewed in the uh, in the AV Club for the Onion, and they were very flattering. It was mm-hmm. an honor. If you haven't seen it already. Which is unlikely because most of you probably arrived here through I, that. I could have used more review. photos. Because, uh, we yeah, got... well, there are no photos of us, unfortunately. I know there's one on the website of you in a jaunty hat, Stuart. Sure. And of Wait. Dan probably dancing. Wait, on the AV Club? No, 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 on the Flophouse website. Oh, okay. Yeah. On the AV Club website, uh, our review was illustrated with a picture of Zach Galifianakis eating a piece of watermelon. For a second, I thought he was going to be on our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be awesome. The part I was proudest of was that my quote was on the top of the notable quotes for the week. Uh, that was a good quote. Yeah. 
I uh, laughed when I read it, even though Billy I'd Zane. already heard it. Yeah. I laughed when I read our review because it's so it did such a good job of describing the normal bullshit that we do on the show. <laughs> <laughs> but not sounding irritated at not, it. No, no. Sounding like it was entertaining, but unlike, mentioning like... Unlike many of the uh, vocal reviews I've heard from people. <laughs> sure. Well, those are our friends. They feel like they can be real dicks to us. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if they're my listeners, they're not really my friends. <laughs> wow. I need to keep a distance. <laughs> you really put yourself above them. <laughs> well, I'm the artist, and they appreciate what I do. <laughs> He's on-air talent. Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway, now that we've uh, bullshitted about ourselves for a while, we can talk about the movie. Yeah, which we never do. <laughs> we're, so, we're mysterious. <laughs> That's how they know the kind of food I like. <laughs> what the names of our insignificant others are. Yeah. And that uh, your insignificant other... Wait, wait. Insignificant <laughs> other? <laughs> That it, that she doesn't, a, well, she doesn't listen to the podcast. That's yeah, where you're that's going why, with yeah, it. Yeah, that was a burn. So you can call her insignificant. A, yeah. Well, she's not insignificant, and we will have words after this recording, okay. gentlemen. But yeah, she doesn't listen to this. So. I mean, and, and what are we talking height, about? Maybe. She's 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 a, she's a I mean, small. she's taller than me. T- she's the same height as me. Whoa. Well, she's not taller than me. <laughs> well, if I was making a basketball team, I would probably pick her first. Whoa! <laughs> I'll have you know, she is very very uh, slow. Well, that's. I mean, she, she might can't be able run. to. But she can can't she run. shoot? Does she, she have hand-eye coordination? Yeah, she's. How very is good she from the outside? She good? Is that something? Is she, wait, are you wait, is that Mikey? important for basketball? Because she's yeah. beautiful. If that's what you're asking, how does she look on the outside? No, I meant can she hit for a shot from the outside of what? Of the court. Wait, are you talking about photography again? Yeah. What do you? I don't know what this. Because that's, right, that, that's what happened uh, in this movie. There's that girl who's way the photography. <laughs> let's get into the movie, shall we? Well, we're talking about us. There's this movie called I'm Number Four. Was that a good enough digression for you, by the way, Dan? That was fine. Okay. It wasn't one of our top digressions, okay. but I'll take what, it. Well, where would you rank it? Like 37? Uh, yeah. 38? Probably. Number four, perhaps? <laughs> no, no way. <laughs> Number four is probably Chopin Goatables. No. <laughs> the no, serial. The porthole of Time is number one. Porthole of Time was... <laughs> porthole of Time is number one. Teddy, Teddy Grahams is number two. Teddy Grahams I forgot about. That's right. Well, for anyone who's a new listener, these are a couple of our Flophouse favorites. Mm-hmm. Uh, which Do you remember what episode Porthole of Time was in? Oh, God, I don't it's know. It's on the internet. Go back and listen to every episode. You got a lot of good ones, such as Porthole of Time, which is a monologue I did about, based off of a mis... Based off of Dan, va- barely, barely mispronouncing the title Be- Beastmaster 2, Portal of Time. Through the Portal of Time, where it was the uh, steward of a ship explaining... Of a cruise ship... It's the purser, I think, explaining to some guests why they should stay away from the porthole in their room. Teddy Grahams was, of course, about the the in World War II when women's husband would be killed in war and the government would deliver a Teddy Graham, <laughs> notifying them of this. <laughs> I don't even understand. I don't know where Chopin Goatables came Chopin from. Goatables just, we just started saying potent potables and like something notables, and Chopin Goatables was... It was uh, a cereal, breakfast cereal. It was a breakfast cereal. Will Hines was, was with us for that one. Yeah. But uh, yeah, a, a breakfast cereal that I guess Chopin endorsed or invented <laughs> that was goatable. <laughs> I don't understand it myself. All right. Anyway, well, so those are some of our top digressions. Now that we've taken a trip down memory lane, we can get into tonight's. So, movie. final judgments. <laughs> no, 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 Stuart. <laughs> you're skipping way ahead. No, no, we got to talk I about I recommend this movie. a little movie called <laughs> Castle Freak. <laughs> Said a freak that lives in a castle. Uh, what am I going to recommend now, Nick? <laughs> uh, Invisible maniac. He castle freaks your head there. 
It was oh, a mind man. freak on Elliot's part. <laughs> so that was a lot of good inside jokes for the people who are coming to us <laughs> for the first time off of the AV Club. Oh, yeah. Hope that intrigued you. That's how we build an audience. But the movie we watched today was a little thing called Yo Soy Numero Cuatro, <laughs> or for the gringos, I am number four. Thanks. Um, yeah, it, it starred... Uh, Alex Pettifer, I think was his name. <laughs> what? Which is not a name. <laughs> he's, I think uh, he's, uh, he's from Hertfordshire, England. Okay. And he, you could tell it because his, he had a terrible American accent. His American accent would often slip into a vaguely English accent. Here's my question. <laughs> is that a sound effect from the movie we just watched? <laughs> no, that was your phone. Oh, okay. Uh, here's my question. Mm-hmm. What happened to the names of young actors? Pettifer, Gajandit. Mm. Meister Zane and Leister. I mean, you Zane, <laughs> Zane is not a young actor. You did point out. You did point out to me, and you might be right that Gajand it may be a French name. It could be Gajande. Gajande. Yeah, which but, uh, yeah, is slightly less crazy. Are we complaining that people have dumb names nowadays? Yes, that's the, exactly. This what is the Andy Rooney cast when actors had names like Kirk Douglas mm-hmm. or like Clark Gable, Rock Hudson. Rock Hudson. <laughs> well, Rock Hudson is a dumb name. But. <laughs> I assume his name was originally Hudson Rock. Yeah. That's what the movie Hudson Hawk is based on. That's why Bruce Willis' character dies of AIDS. Normal game. names like <laughs> Humphrey Bogart um, well, and Cary Grant. That's the, okay, they had stupid names, but that's the thing. It's, Humphrey Bogart sounds like a tough name, but Humphrey is possibly the least tough <laughs> yeah. name for men next to Cam. Yeah. Or so, well, anyway, this, actor this, this a tough petty fur. So, so, okay, we are introduced to... Alex Pettifer and Timothy Oliphant. After we see a kid get stabbed. Oh, I forgot about that. It opens in a jungle somewhere, and these two guys are in a cabin. A it kid, opens another guy. outside the planet Earth. It yes. opens like the seventh season of Buffy with random kids being stabbed, and then you realize that they're super powered. Spoiler. Yeah. I've never seen that, so right. thanks. What's Buffy? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the internet will tell you, Stuart. Okay, but seriously, that's that the TV internet. show that they, it was a non-porn parody of that porn Muffy the Vampire Lair. <laughs> yep. <laughs> the uh, so anyway, we open uh, outside of Earth. We zoom in to a jungle. There's a kid in a cabin with a grown man. Why? What are they doing? We don't know. But the grown man has a stone a dagger, dagger with yeah. a kind of glowy orb on the back of it. Probably Suddenly, from outer space. a monster comes along, kills the guy. Chases the kid. The kid can do all sorts of crazy flips and gymnast stunts. As Dan mentioned, we were watching it. It was like Jeff Goldblum's daughter in The Lost World, Jurassic mm-hmm. Park 2. The monster fails to kill him, but then aliens come, or some kind of crazy-looking guys, they're aliens, come, and they stab the kid. Mumble something and stab him, right? Yeah, they're like... And take his charm necklace. They take his charm necklace and stab him, and he turns into stone and then bursts into dust. Then the title, I Am Number Four. It's like a bad, like, uh, vampire dying effect from, I don't the know. The aforementioned Buffy. That's yeah, yeah sure. there we go. Yeah. I'm not saying there was perfect, guys. Buffy the Vampire Pair. <laughs> okay. She was worked in accounting <laughs> for the vampire <laughs> company. <laughs> People would bring in their blood invoices and yeah. pay it out. Yeah. She'd say, fill out this paperwork. <laughs> there you go. Here you are. Sorry, we're going to have to deduct, deduct the cost of the bag. <laughs> not, a, not an entertaining show. They were really scraping the bottom of the barrel it of the vampire. It had its moments. It had its moments. Well, I mean, it addresses like she's this young girl in the big city and has mm-hmm. to, I don't know. She's got a dream of working at a... vampires or something? She has a dream yeah. of working at a vampire fashion magazine, <laughs> but she has to get a job in vampire accounting. And then in the third sure. season, she cut her hair. Yeah. Uh, it's so better than Buffy the Vampire Bayer. Got oh, a woman God. who works we're at the still, Bayer Labs. We're still doing this. Just making aspirin it's for vampires. <laughs> it's still going on. There's more. 
Okay, so then we meet the hero of our film. He is a young guy, blonde, really buff. Like a real everyman. We're introduced to him <laughs> while riding a jet ski so so hard that he flips it around in the air and then lands again. But then, as a girl is coming on to him, his story. as a girl is coming on to him in a late night beach rendezvous, his hands and thigh get no, not thigh, his calf get all glowy, and he's like, "Ah, I can't control it. What's happening? There's glow coming out of my hands." Mm-hmm. And then he, the next day, Timothy Oliphant is like, "We gotta go." And it turns out this kid is burn it to the ground. This kid is an alien, and Timothy Oliphant is his alien warrior bodyguard. Mm-hmm. And the two of them are on the run from bad aliens who are trying to kill all of the good aliens. And the good aliens are kids who have superpowers. Yeah. And are indistinguishable from humans. And the bad aliens. Except for their magic powers. Except for their glowy hands and magic powers. The bad aliens have tattooed heads and gills, and they have a name that. When shortened, kind of sounds like monk, which I think is on purpose because they wear like robes around. Well, they wear like dusters. Yeah, I mean, they look like they stepped out. They look like it's like give me a little bit of Alien Nation. Okay, now a little bit of Matrix. Mm-hmm. Uh, now a little bit of a little bit of Road Warrior. A little bit of Road Warrior. A little bit of Blade Two. Okay, we got our villains, uh, but they're called uh, Magadorians. Was that it? Something I don't like know. But it's they just d- a bunch of fucking syllables. It was a bunch. Of, yeah, a they're of- they're like Star Trek aliens, right? Basically, well, in that they're just their heads are different and everything else yeah, is the same. Yeah, and and they're a little bit stronger. They go to the, so Timothy Oliphant like Star Trek like, Yeah, <laughs> Timothy Oliphant's like, "There's a video of you with your glowy hands on the internet now. We gotta leave." And they drive from, I guess, Florida to. Yeah, uh, I think they're on the Keys. Yeah, the I mean, Francis Scott Keys. <laughs> sure, <And, laughs> those the Elisa Keys. Oh, and okay. uh, for the young audience, sure. And uh, they go to. What, Ohio? Paradise, Ohio. Called Paradise, Ohio, which is ironic because mm-hmm. it's raining. Oh, that's why. I guess that would be paradise for someone who likes to be moist, though. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like a frog. <laughs> yes, a frog <laughs> Like paradise. a battle toad. <laughs> yeah, like a battle like a toad. Ba- <laughs> a lot of talking battle toads. Yeah, we talked a lot about battle toads before the movie. I mean, we, uh, said, you... the word, we said the name. We didn't really talk about it. <laughs> we didn't discuss kept... how hard that speeder level was. No, right just yeah, because you reference. keep running into things. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, that's to counteract your Alicia Keys reference. Yeah, th- yeah. <laughs> something <laughs> really topical. The audience, Battle Toads. Battle Toads. Uh, they go to Ohio, and Timothy Olyphant's like, "We're gonna live in this foreclosed house, but you've got to stay invisible. No one can see you." And he's like, "Screw that! I'm going to school." And because, like most teenagers, like most teenagers, he loves going to school, wants to go to school all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, he goes to school, and he bluffs his way into being a student at this school. And long story short, he becomes friends with the nerd. He falls in love with the pretty girl. It's bas- he's basically the, the pretty James girl who's kind of like who's kind of artsy. Yep. She mm-hmm. takes photographs the jocks and wears don't hats. Like him, do they? The jocks don't like him because one of the jocks used to go out with the with the photographer girl before she became a artsy Artie. person. She, yeah. She's played by Diana Agron. Who's that? She's from the television program Glee. And what would we know her from? Yeah, uh, nothing. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> And, that, is, uh, that is a popular program, but not among the Flophouse demographic. Nope. Sure, which we watch primarily pornos, I guess. <laughs> yep, I mean. that's right. I think the only shows we watch are like Life on Top and Lingerie. And <laughs> what's sausage it? Pizza, which I've already addressed. <laughs> which is not a TV show, but a series of web videos. <laughs> I mean, that's the way. That's it's like, a web series. That's like saying it's really a web series. It's like saying your Elliot. favorite show is Brazzers. <laughs> well, that's, All I those mean, shows should join the guild. <laughs> that's, we Actually, frankly, I mean, that's probably shot in Los Angeles. But okay. if, they were, if you write for... 
Big Sausage Pizza or any of the – or sure. Bang Bus. I'd you, like to meet them first of all. The Writers Guild East is really looking to get into new media, yeah. really trying to cover more people writing for the internet. So if you're a writer and you're feeling exploited, please contact mm-hmm. the Writers Guild of America East. No judgments. Yeah. We make no judgments. So. So he goes to this school. It's a basic Rebel Without a Cause setup where you've got – the alienated young guy and his girlfriend who used to be a popular girl and his friend who's a nerd that people make fun of. The Salmoneo character. The Salmoneo character. The Salmonella character. <laughs> sure. And basically there's a whole bunch of nonsense where they're, they're teenagers and they're hanging out and they get into fights and blah, blah, blah. And then the aliens come by and they kill Timothy Oliphant. <laughs> they come by. They drop the by the house. Hey, how you doing? <laughs> Yeah, his, like, warrior bodyguard gets killed. and It's the saddest he part. He has that moment of, like, the father figure dying. Yeah, this happens about an hour and ten minutes into the movie. Significantly too far. <laughs> no, it's the basic... A, a lot of the characters just hanging around the high school, mumbling to each other, and acting like they, what they're doing is interesting. He finds it, out he has magic hands. This is your magic basic hands. template. This is... Uh, Harry Potter by way of Twilight by way of Star Wars. Is what little Spider-Man is. throw in there. A little Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. little Spider-Man. Yep. And yet his powers are that he has glow. He has telekinetic powers, basically. But sure. his hands are also all glowy, and he has super strength, and he can yeah. flip around. Elliot yep. took to calling him Glowy Hands in the movie. That's a superhero name. Yeah, Glowy Hands. Yeah, I mean, I mean you should. I mean, that's a, like a Marvel character, right? That's it a, should be. Yeah. Well, for most of the movie, he's just using <laughs> his glowy his hands like, like flashlights. He just uses them. Like, to like, oh, it's dark like, in here. I got to use my glowy hands. This time, like, for- it's actually not that dark, dude. What do you? <laughs> I mean, you're just showing off at this point. <laughs> but that, that's his catchphrase is. Now's glowy hands time to shine, <laughs> and he. Well, it's should. It's not, but it should be. I mean, it's a little out, complicated. He walks. Out, <laughs> there's nobody else there. His catchphrase can be as long as he wants. It's just him wandering around empty rooms. Yeah, but I mean, that's not going to catch on. Like, I couldn't see somebody wearing a T-shirt that says that. Well, what kind we'll of take up slug- the whole shirt? <laughs> how about how about flame on? No, that's on taken. Guys. I think that's shine taken. On. Shine on, shine on, shine you, on you crazy, crazy diamond. diamond. Yeah, okay, we got it. That's his catchphrase, guys. I am number four too. What about? Wait, that's confusing. Uh, his, well, his catchphrase would be, let there be light, and light yeah. pours out of his palms. Okay. No, and, I mean, these are all better than your, your first suggestion. I thought now is glowy hands time to shine. I thought it was a pretty good catchphrase. And he says his name. That takes up some time. Yeah, I mean. But he has to introduce himself. And it reintroduces the IP, well, you his, know? His, his, his costume has a big GH on the front, but people don't know what that stands for. Yeah. I think it's for General Hospital. Yes. He's a big fan. I mean, I'd assume. <laughs> So yeah, but uh, no, he he literally just uses his hands as uh, Flash flashlights for most of the film. He blinds a guy with them, right? Well, he beats up a lot of people and hurts them badly. But he like there's a guy, there's a kid who's fighting him who has night vision goggles on, and he puts his glowy. That's hands. That's like the perfect prey for a glowy hands. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That's the sweet spot. That's right in there. You discovered my one weakness: bright lights. <laughs> and he puts his glowy hands up against the guy's face, and the guy's like, ah. I can't close it's my like, eyes. Uh, That's what the dialogue is like. For some reason. Ah! He, yeah, he's a perfect target. He's like Minka Kelly's character in The Roommate for a roofie enthusiast. Yeah, because yeah. She, she'll just put anything in her mouth and yeah. swallow it down. No questions asked. <laughs> but at the end of the movie, uh, number six shows up. Number six. Throughout now, the movie, we, you've seen occasionally her. seen this mysterious girl blowing up stuff or tracking yeah. down number four. You think she must be a, a bad guy. Because she's got leather pants and she's like walks away from an explosion real slow early on. That's no. a role for Nicolas Cage, to be honest with you. Yeah, but it's, it turns out to be a, a different person. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's not. Except for here, they got Nicolas an attractive Cage. young girl instead of Nicolas Cage. Too tiny. Sure. She's too petite. Yeah. 
She was uh, apparently the love interest in Sorcerer's Apprentice. I looked her up on the internet, which we just saw recently. But yeah. I didn't. Okay. I didn't I actually didn't recognize her. I didn't. Yeah, know. I well, she had her. Uh, she just she's becomes apparently Australian, new- and she has a more convincing American accent than uh, yeah. than our lead. In- but she also just becomes the character when she's right. playing it. Well, she puts on leather pants. <laughs> I really believe she was number six, who's you basically really, – You really believe she was wearing right? leather pants. Oh, and also there's a lizard that turns into a dog and becomes number four's pet dog, and at the end he's a big monster who fights evil monsters. Yeah. This is the he's kind a, of movie – He's a chimera who's been uh, the bodyguard. This is the kind of movie where the movie – where the problem could have been solved much earlier – if the cool characters had just shown up and beaten up the bad guys. Mm-hmm. But the movie instead has all this crap about the high school and Timothy Oliphant and number four. Yeah, and blah, you're blah, wondering blah. why you're not watching a show about the cool characters instead of... Yeah, and then at the end, number six comes in and is way more badass than number four mm-hmm. and more likable, frankly. I didn't really like the character. I mean, I like couldn't really more. understand they, what she was saying, but the other guy just mumbled the whole time. The main guy was <laughs> it's, it's not charismatic. It's a movie that's trying to kill its screenplay. Yeah. I mean, he was, uh, he was a muscly, like... Dower, like I young mean, he guy. Is, so I'm sure I for like shape. young ladies, he is, as you said, he's super cut. I'm sure yeah. he's shredded like lettuce. He's catnip <laughs> to the tween girls. I'm I sure. guarantee you, they cast this movie by flipping through an Abercrombie yeah. catalog I and mean, said that one, that one, Timothy Oliphant, that one. Yeah, I mean, he's just in really good shape. Like I want to, sure. like he must do you a just lot of cardio. Rub your, you want to rub your hands over and just like feel the ripples? Well, kind of. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's like a work of art. It's like ruffles have ridges. So does this guy. Yeah, just the, he has tiny ridges all over his body, just like Ruffles. <laughs> Wait, is, is that one of his powers? Or? Yes, he's ridgy. Okay. They call him Ruffles. Glowy hands Ruffles. I don't know why I am. Hello, Ruffles glowy hands at your service. Gentleman thief. <laughs> Quickest cat burglar in all of Brighton. Uh. I don't know. I don't know why it's important for me to clarify this, but like I brought up number six in part to say that the glowy hands this is glowy hands power weren't just uh, glowiness. It's the he apparently can He's charge. Oh yeah, he can use the glowing to charge her powers because her so, powers, which are like she's basically Nightcrawler. Yeah, she can dodge around and fast and teleport. But there's sort of like yeah. a, a, symb- she's a symbiotic relationship between the numbers. I yeah, guess. and when we say number six, I don't want you to get your hopes up. It is not Patrick McGowan's number six from The mm. Prisoner, which would have been awesome. That would have been awesome. He, as anyone who's a Prisoner fan knows, Patrick McGowan is great in the in the Prisoner, but also the Prisoner character, number six, is a belligerent jerk to everyone he meets, and he cannot control the volume of his own <laughs> voice. So I wish he had shown up. That would have been great. Well, he's, you know, he's a human being. Yeah, not an alien. Yeah. And he also died a couple of years ago. Well, not a number. He is a free man. A free That's man. the thing. And yeah, they couldn't bring, like, a dead body back. To put him into the movie. Right? <laughs> I don't know. Weekend at Bernie's did it. That guy died during <laughs> sure. the making of the movie, and they had to change the plot. Wait, really? To accommodate it. Oh, yeah. Like Originally, in the crow? Yes. Wait, wait. The guy, the, so the actual, like, the Bernie, the dead guy from Bernie Was actually dead. died. Not, not yeah. Andrew McCarthy. Originally. <laughs> <laughs> wait, they didn't, they didn't make a puppet out of Andrew McCarthy's skin. That they did. Okay. Actually, it was a stuntman wearing it. They couldn't do the computer stuff they did for the crow. So they had Kevin they, McCarthy they, do they, all the lines. Yeah. So. They skinned Andrew McCarthy. Yes, and they, they had Kevin McCarthy <laughs> from Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Middle-aged actor Kevin McCarthy come in. Middle-aged? Well, I mean, at that point, he was. That's, That's a little charitable. In the 60s. Really? Okay. I mean, I guess I, I'm, I'm thinking of him in Twilight Zone the movie, which was still 10 years earlier. So. <laughs> but I mean, nowadays, 60s is almost middle-aged. You know? <laughs> That's true. 60 is the new 40. That's sure. true. And 40 is the new 20, according to Cougar Town. But, uh, Cougar in so, Massachusetts. Wow, so, I, right? so I'm 15. Yes. Weekend at Bernie's was original, and I'm nine years old. Weekend at Bernie's was originally about, uh-oh, 
we've got to go to Bernie's. He told me to bring my friend. I thought he meant just my roommate, but he meant my boyfriend. So we've got to pretend we're gay now. But then the guy playing Bernie died, so they changed into where they have to pretend Bernie is. So it was like a Blake Edwards movie initially. Yes, exactly. (laughs) I made it all up. Hmm. It was originally called Weekend at Hernia's. It's I'm making up for the last couple. <laughs> Look, it's late, okay? <laughs> We're talking about I'm number four. Uh, but uh, there's a big fight at the end, and the number four wins, and all the other guys win. The good guys win, and then ride off to find the other numbers, the other. You ride off into a sequel that will not happen. Yes. Yeah, this was all the uh, the what the like the opening for a bigger story, right? Yeah. Well, I. Can we talk about the uh, like the backstory? That's of this, what which I is much more was interesting. Go into, the, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, do you know this? I mean, I I know it vaguely. Like James Fry, the guy who uh, did a million little pieces, the yes, famously uh, false memoir, the book that fooled Oprah. Uh, he has his like sort of uh, it's like a fiction, fiction factory. factory where he, yeah he barely pays young writers. To uh, churn out these uh, these books that he thinks might become franchise franchises hits. or movie ideas yeah. or things like that, it's very much like a Cowboys and Aliens type thing where they print up a comic just so that they can say that the movie is based on the comic. To uh, add some credibility to a wacky yes movie. So like these are books that are designed to become franchise. At adapted events, like they're not meant to. Be, it's not meant to stand alone on its own as a book or as a good piece of writing. Yes, sure. But yeah, but James Fry apparently he pays the writers very little. They're young people just trying to get into writing, and uh, they turn them out. I assume under pseudonyms, but I'm not sure about that. The same way that like the old Shadow or Doc Savage books were all written mostly by the same guy, but not always. But they were written under the same pseudonym, no matter who was writing it. And or I, like how whoever drew Batman for the first 20-some-odd years Batman existed signed the name Bob Kane, even though Bob Kane hadn't touched a pen in decades. Or how Karl Barks was only known as the good duck artist. Well, that's the opposite. He was not allowed to sign any name. Yeah. Man. And it's opposite because he was good at what he did. <laughs> but uh, This has been Nerd Batman Talk guys. with the Nerd Gang. This has always yeah, been Nerd too Talk. Too bad this bad movie podcast <laughs> got a little nerdy. No, but I mean, you know, this is not to say that you know, good, uh, you know, fun, good art can be cannot be made uh, under certain genre genre restrictions. Oh no, like, of course it can. But uh, we spent, I think this we, explains. You and I spent a lot of today talking about they live. You yeah. Know, so, but I think that this explains why this movie <laughs> feels so much like just the most uh, boilerplate version of yeah, the story. Yeah, very rote, very boilerplate by the numbers. It's like like we were saying, like a little bit of Harry Potter, a little bit of Spider-Man, a little bit of, you know, what? I don't know, other alien stuff, X-Men. Like just throw it all into the pot and do the same story that you've seen a hundred times before and get some stupid person to pay four ninety nine to watch it on demand on their television to do a bad hey, podcast about it. Wait a... You just call me stupid. What I'm saying is... Don't just walk to see it. And, I mean, I, you're I, saying I, I should have sprung the extra dollar to watch it in HD like I did. <laughs> yes. <laughs> did you spend another dollar for HD? Uh, look, I, uh, I'm, a, I'm a high-end videophile, Elliot. I can't I can't. He didn't spend all this money on his home entertainment system to not watch it in jaw-dropping HD. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was jaw-dropping. The glowy really came through. Mm-hmm. You could really see the glowy coming out of his hands. the glowiest. Here's something that I want to say. Um, <laughs> so say it. You're loud. <laughs> <I'm> stopping you. <laughs> 
It's no, very, I, it, do you no say, I have to have a preamble that delays it. <laughs> Does this mean that most of the things you say are things you don't want to oh, say? God. So many things I say. For a difference, I here's something like. I want to say. <laughs> no, uh, the, you know, the end of the movie, I didn't hate. There's a, like when action started, I thought the action sequence was actually handled pretty well. The fight at the end, it was a little frantic, mm-hmm. but there were some fun things. There was a giant bat monster that fought a the giant mo- dog monster. I like the monster stuff. The monsters were pretty good. Those were well-designed monsters, frankly. Yeah, yeah. And they, which is rare. And they moved like monst- like living monsters. And would. it wasn't as frantic as a lot of action movies are these days. I mean, there was a little bit more of a sense of what I could have used on. slightly more variety between the good monster and the bad monster. But That's true. Yeah. Ultimately, it was... Well, one of them was, was like a bat monster, one was like a dog monster. Yeah, but when they were rolling around, like, biting yeah. each other well, it and doesn't shit, help they looked the same. It was a room that it was in a dimly lit room, I assume, to make the effects look better. They're fighting and in And I the, was looking at my phone most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> They're fighting in the shower of a gym locker room. They're fighting at the school. Sex like stuff. in the opening of Savage Streets? Mm-hmm. Yeah, or the opening of uh, Carrie. Except it's not fighting, it's just the showers. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well... Well, they threw they threw tampons at her. That's kind of yeah, like fighting. that's fighting. I mean, yeah, those are, those are bullying weapons. Bullying is just no joke. But guys. the final climax takes place. <laughs> sure. in, takes cyber bullying. <laughs> Let's stop it for a PSA right now. <laughs> Throwing cyber tampons. What a lot of people don't know is Dan said some insensitive things about tampon throwing. Really got people up in arms. So he yeah. has to do a PSA now about it. <laughs> I was really pro tampon throwing in the past, and now I've been shown that that's wrong. Yeah. So I'm sorry. Uh. I mean, they don't fly very well. They're not. They're not aerodynamic. Like, well, yeah, some have you just wings. throw a ball or something, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> or, or a rock. Guys, people bullying tips. guys. Just just <laughs> throw a rock. Just throw a ball to somebody. Don't yeah. throw a tampon at somebody. Oh, well, play it's ball. Right. <laughs> just play catch. <laughs> I don't even know what's going on anymore. We've gone down a rabbit hole. Yeah, I yeah. didn't go down with you though. I'm hey. still. I'm at, I'm on ground level, yelling down hey. to the hole. Where'd you guys go? <laughs> Can you come out, please? <laughs> hey, no, you come down here. No, I don't think so. Okay, yeah. wait, what are we, we're talking about the end of the movie. The climax right? of the movie takes place at the high school for some reason. Sure. They just destroy it. All the lockers are being thrown around. You got telekinetic powers. You got School's teleporting out, powers. School is out for summer mm-hmm. and forever. They rip up the football field. The problem is there's not a lot of variety with the bad aliens. They all have these giant guns <clears throat> that look like they came out of the fifth element that shoot red lasers. Mm-hmm. And they just kind of stand around shooting lasers until one of the good guys kills them. Yeah, they're not usually. They, usually, the good guys team up and kill one dude. Yeah, but they build these guys, up, these bad guys, up as if they're super tough and scary. But then they're not really that hard to take down. Although I do like how kind of goofy they get when we finally meet them. They, you know, like well, they it, look it, stupid. Well, the movie kind of realized that. Okay, this is a very humorless film. So let's make these uh, aliens kind of thanks in part to the amazing performances by our leads. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I can't, yeah, it seemed you know, like they were kind of drugged up most of the most and of the kind yeah. of mad they were in a movie. And Timothy Oliphant, <laughs> who I uh, normally love, was pretty boring. I mean, once he well, like, you he love would, him in that show, Justify Your Love. Sure. Ever since he cut the like, show where he plays Madonna, mm-hmm. he had that really cool haircut at the beginning of the movie, and then he cut it off, and I think that really ruined it for Stewart. Yeah, yeah. that he cut off his long beach bum hair <laughs> from the beginning <laughs> of the movie. Mullet. But you know, he, you know, when he was uh, like when he was like. fighting, he's good at that stuff. <laughs> yeah. So that was something. Not very good, though. Because <laughs> the problem is with the villains being, like, jokey is that you see that a lot. Like, the villain, like, likes to play around with the people he's about to kill and make jokes and wise, wise them cracks. Mm-hmm. It's, not, it's been a long time since you saw, like, a solemn villain that was really scary. Well, right after watching Drive Angry where 
the lead is Nicolas Cage and his most stone-faced. Yeah. And the bad guy in the form of the, like, the devil character is, you know, kind of making jokes and acting funny. The accountant, you mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah that guy. Yeah. It's, I mean, it just feels like the same thing over and over. Yeah, but not as good. Well, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, that was William Fe- Fe- Feichner, and these were a bunch of Romulans. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, yeah. With with face face gills, face gills, and the best. I think my favorite part of the movie is so they have this giant bat monster that they just truck two around the two giant bat monsters. They just truck around the country in a big truck, and they have feed it tons and tons of huge of uncooked butterball turkeys. And there's a scene where one of the aliens goes into a grocery store with a, his hoodie flipped up and just gets a gets a cart full of turkeys. Buys them and and then goes and feeds the monster with them. Presumably I, with space bucks. And I just love like with space. Yeah, he got space bucks, space bucks from his Astro Bank, and uh, you, or you used his space debit card. But I love the, the the idea that these are these super tough aliens, but they still have to buy their groceries at the store. There's a part where they're driving along the road and they slow down just enough to show their true hideous face to a fat kid in the car next door, like in the other lane, and then they're like, "Ha ha, okay, speed up." Like now. I have expected that fat kid to like. Smashes ice cream into his face. He's so scared, or like, <laughs> or, or pull out a squeezes soda pop. Pull so out a flask and goes never again, <laughs> and throw it over his shoulder. Drunk fat kid. I lo- so maybe I do like the the bad guys. Actually, yeah, they have to go to the grocery store to buy turkeys, and they like to they like to slow down enough to scare fat kids. So Elliot stance and Dan stance and Stewart stance on the bad guys. Thumbs up. Thumbs up. Yeah. Well, everything I mean, else though, I would um, rather hang out with the bad guys than anyone else in this movie. Yeah, I mean. They, did, they didn't speak very clear English. But no, then, well, but everyone mumbled in this movie. Yeah, yeah. They, you know, this was and the, they, they did like, wear really cool dusters. They, yes, they like a the, party, Stuart. This was the first. Oh, that's true. This was the first mumblecore, big budget <laughs> sci-fi movie I think I've ever seen. Yeah, <sighs> not good mixing. So, uh, I don't know. Let's, final judgments. Let's, yeah, let's give the final judgments in this movie. Was this a good bad movie? A no. bad bad movie? Yes. Or a movie you kind of liked? Elliot says mm, it's a bad bad movie. I would say bad. But it was very boring and slow, and felt like any one of a thousand better movies. Yeah, Stuart. Uh, I'll agree. If they maybe if it had just been all monster fights, I'd been more interested. Well, in certainly. It. <laughs> it's just like how Jonah Hex. The best part of it was that Snake Man that you saw very briefly. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Any movie if it had is better. Been called Snake Man, the story of Snake Man. I would have watched it. <laughs> Almost any movie is better with monster fights in it. Yeah, this is a bad, bad movie, and I'll tell you the main reason why. Uh, for the first, well, we just said not enough monster fights. Yeah, for the yeah, first I mean, uh, two thirds of the film, they dole out information very slowly. As if you've never seen this movie before and yeah. aren't already ahead of it. And then they cram everything that might be interesting into the like last third. Yeah, that's true. It's they, a, it's, it reminds me of Drive Angry in a way where it was like the characters are going are gonna to be in a state of mystery. But like it's pretty obvious what's going on. Like they should like, just say We get it. it. He's a hellman. <laughs> yeah, he's a hellman. Here this guy's an alien kid. Well, what's weird is that he tells you in the opening narration, I'm an alien. Yeah. But then they withhold like – what, why does he have powers? Like, what do the aliens do? You never find out... Why do the other bad aliens hate him? You never find out why the bad aliens are specifically after him. You never find well, out where he came... Like, they named he's his a protector. He's, like, he's got the power to like. And he's all over the them, Facebook, basically. man. He is all over the Facebook and the YouTube. It's not worth uh, debating further. So, <laughs> I'm moving us on. Wow. Half a wormy boner. McCoy Continue. has spoken. So, uh... We have some we letters, letters here. As we, oh, it's favorite time. My of the night. favorite time of the night. 
Letter time. Let's read some letters and talk about them. Getting in touch with the fans. What do they think? Letters, letters, letters. So let's read some letters tonight. See, you work tonight's up. the night for letters. <laughs> let's get some letters and read them. Okay, read them and weep with laughter. Letters. <laughs> We have to talking we, about letters. We have to cut that theme down. That is, yeah. It's only now one tenth I, of now it. Now that I hear it on the on the show, it the, seems much longer. I mean, it was significantly verses. longer before. <laughs> We've been working on that for letters a couple of weeks. and letters and letters okay. and letters. Get the idea. No numbers here, just letters. So first off, letters. Uh, this is just a donation. Um, what? I want to say thank you uh, for a donation. And uh, the the the, the donors to us. No, no, I mean, who was the donor? Well, who's getting the thank you? He says my donation to the Flophouse is officially from the Eric Marsisak and his future wife foundation. Oh, that's very so. nice. Thank you, star <laughs> of Sandman. Yes, yep. that is Eric Marsisak, the star of the movie Sandman, which I highly recommend. If you want to see it on Netflix? It's uh, S ampersand man. Man, it's a really good movie. So. so we had a real Hollywood star donate money to us. That's yeah. really nice. So other Hollywood stars, Nicolas Cage. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's time to start opening up those Step fat up. wallets. Come on, Nicolas Cage. Liquidate one of your German castles and Sell give the money a castle. to us. No. Give us the money. What keeping your career alive. So this uh, email is from Kurt, last name withheld. And he says, Kurt I started. Loder. It's Kurt Loder. Possibly. <laughs> I started listening to the Flophouse a few days ago and have been enjoying it very much. I wanted to pick up on a remark Elliot made on the Drive Angry in 3D Rated R podcast. <laughs> in a tangent about Muppets Tonight, Elliot said that Clifford was a, quote, Rastafarian baboon. I believe that Clifford, if he's intended to be any animal, is alleged to be a catfish. And he has a link to a Wikipedia page about Clifford the Muppet. A catfish? Mm-hmm. And he I have to say, I looked at the... Uh, I looked at the uh, photo of Clifford, and he does appear to have catfish whiskers. I th- always assumed that those that I, I always assumed that that was a mustache. Yeah. Well, it plays both ways. So I guess I'm the real racist here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm, I apologize, the late Jim Henson and his production company. Well, that was you're the racist one, right? No, yeah, that, Dan was the racist thing. one. No, I thought no, Dan no, was no, the, no. the homophobic the... one. Oh, that's right. And, and I'm the party animal. <laughs> Wait a second. Wait, like, why do you get that? Your characterization is so much more lovable Wait, you, than ours. You, you, That's the thing, though. You bestow these made-up <laughs> negative qualities on us. And then well, you... sometimes my partying gets out of hand. Okay. But not sometimes to the point that it's a real problem. <laughs> I don't understand. <laughs> one's a homophobe, one's a racist, and the other's a party animal. Yeah. Not seem fair. That's yeah. unbalanced. Well... Okay, well, uh, Kurt goes on to say, Incidentally, I haven't gone through your catalog completely, but I've noticed that most of the titles you've talked about have been more or less major movie releases. Yes. Have you spent much time on such new cult films as The Room, Birdemic, Shock and Terror, and other films so bad they're essentially unreleasable? No, we have not. Uh, we've gone through this I mean, before. personal time. Yeah. Yeah, we've, we've spent was, a lot of personal time. We've, we've wasted a lot of time. I mean, I've seen Birdemic, I think, we three times. Done, and most of the movies are shots the room, of people driving. Three times. <laughs> The room I've seen any – I don't know how many times. But it, I feel like those movies are kind of taken care of. Yeah. And also – places for that. Yeah. We'll let the how did this get maids of the world. It is also like kicking a, a lame dog. Yeah. Say, to, uh, how would you take do on that? Those. Well, you're not lame. The dog oh, okay. is lame. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, they, yeah. It's they, they Everyone kind of knows they're bad and why they're bad and – 
you know, we'll we'll take on the people who who earn enough money that we hate them. Yeah, for making the these crappy movies. The true villains. Because say what you will about mm-hmm. Tommy Wiseau, he has not seen a penny from the room. Yeah, and probably never will. Well, he's also a real auteur. Yes, he's a real auteur. Yeah, and we actually he's a realtor. We would actually saying. probably enjoy watching those types of movies as opposed to the ones we find ourselves. Oh watching yeah, I'd much there. rather watch The Room or Birdemic, Shock and Terror than I Am Number Four. <laughs> yeah, or The Roommate. Yeah. Oof. Or what was the one where where it was in Gooby? And I didn't see Gooby. I missed it. Ten thousand BC. Ten thousand BC was the worst. With the spear. But Whiteout was that was one I was thinking of. That was the oh, worst. Yeah. Spear tooths and the Mannix. <laughs> yeah. In ten thousand BC. Everyone's going to speak normal English, except we're going to change what people call mammoths. They can call them Mannix. <laughs> <laughs> now you feel like you're in a far-off ancient wonderland. Now you feel like you're watching a cop show. Mannix. What? Yeah, it's a show called Mannix. Course. It's for old people. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'll make more Alicia Keys references for you. <laughs> so this, uh, this is titled, My Favorite bad, New Bad Movie Podcast, and it says, Dear Paul... I've been following your career for a long time, from UCB to Human Giant. Wait a minute. <laughs> and let me tell you, I think this is my favorite project of yours, your bad movie podcast. I've scoured the web up and down like a spider, and I can't seem to find any other bad movie podcasts, which makes what you're doing truly unique. Add to the mix your wife and Jason Matsukas, and along with your A-list comedy guests, that's a recipe for a humorous souffle, one which can never collapse. If any other bad movie podcasts actually do exist, and I highly doubt it, I can't imagine they would be as entertaining as yours. I've enclosed a self-addressed stamped envelope. If you could please send me a season one DVD set of Human Giant signed by the cast, it would be appreciated. Thanks much. And that's from Andy, last name withheld. So. I think that went to the wrong place. They've clearly. Who's Paul? (laughs) Either we've got a modern day Jonathan Swift on our hands writing some set here. (laughs) Or else else that email somehow went through the wrong email address chain. The wrong tube. The wrong wrong tube. Oh, they must have just written Bad Movie Podcast on the envelope Mm -hmm. and it got sent to us. Yeah. The same way how in like 1904 you could just draw a picture of glasses and teeth on an envelope and it would get sent to Teddy Roosevelt. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> and teeth, eh? He had a big smile. Okay. So well, uh, we got more more letters. We do. We what other letters for Paul Shear do we have to answer? <laughs> D- dig deep into that mailbag, man. <laughs> we have one more. We have one last letter. It says last uh, letter of the letter segment. Last letter of the night. I don't know why I agreed to let him sing a song at last, this point. Savor that last letter. I mean, he's been working on it a last. long time. Last on and on. Interrupts the last letter. Last letter. Well, no, I mean that's part of it. Is the flow? No more letters after this one. Doesn't it? No more letters till the next pod show. Letters for none. Letters for all. Last letter tonight. So this says Dan and the rest of the peaches. Don't let it go. (laughs) That last letter. Hold it to your heart. Dan forever. The last letter. <laughs> Don't go apart. <laughs> last letter. Okay. We have lost all of our new listeners. Yes. Or, no, we've gained like a thousand new listeners. Uh, so, get, listen, the, the, those, the words. Kids like Glee, dude. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> those fucking Glee huge. kids are going to listen to that, that shit. Gleeks are going to love that. Somebody just poked their head in and said, congratulations, you just recorded your first number one hit. <laughs> it was your He cat. had sunglasses yes. on. Yeah. <laughs> that means he's cool. <laughs> Or blind. <laughs> Same thing. Yeah, kids love interruptions. That's, Last letter. Uh, it says Dan. Yeah, kids hate interruptions. Dan and the. That's re- all they do. <laughs> <For God's sake. laughs> they little phones and. 
Sticker books. In their shoes with the lights on them and the wheels. Okay, so there's no more letters, guys. No, it's, don't read those letters. Come more. on, Dan. I'm sorry. Uh, and candy cigarettes. <laughs> Did you say stickers? Yes. Dan and the rest of the peaches, which, by the way, is the correct way to refer to Elliot and Stuart. The yep. rest the of the original, original podcast title. I am the only one who deserves uh, my actual name to be used. Because you're not a peach. Just discovered pear. the podcast through the AV Club's write-up. <laughs> yes. I Thank you. I burned through most of the back catalog and eagerly await new episodes. Um, since you Glad guys you're are, enjoying it. Since you guys are the arbiters of what's spookily bad or one and a half boners. <laughs> Wormy boners. <laughs> I, yeah, those were, those were never good boners. I wanted you guys to help settle an argument I've had with a friend. My friend argues there are no movies that are, quote, bad. And that any evaluation of a movie is based on arbitrary beliefs and unique life, life experiences of the viewer. He argues that even a movie's poor technical quality can't make a movie bad because some people prefer poor production values as a type of art. I disagree and believe that some art, whether it's movies, books, or music, can be better than other art. Without sounding too snobby, there are some objective truths that Shakespeare traps into that have kept it around for 400 years while other works have fallen away. His argument is more logical, and it's hard for me to argue my points, but it just doesn't feel right to say 10,000 B.C. is as good as a Coen Brothers movie. Anyway, I'd be happy to hear well, your thoughts. It's as good as, like, the, the Lady Killers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Cruelty? Mm-hmm. Man, he wasn't there. No, that's a great movie. <sighs> anyway, Dan, if you would finish the letter, please. But even if you don't get around to it, thanks for the podcast. Keep up the good work. Mike, last name withheld. Well, thanks for starting to listen to the show, Mike, and we're glad you're enjoying it so much. Um, and you are right. Tell that song. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But that, when that song came on, Mike was probably like, this is the best podcast I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> this is my ringtone now. <laughs> Wait, what's a ringtone? <laughs> I might actually put that I'm in I'm just joking. Are you a I young person or an old person? I can never figure it out. Uh, I, I mix it so up. So every time I get a call from Elliot, I'll hear that irritating Last song. letter tonight. Uh, Pick up the phone. I think that there was a – Roger Ebert had a quote. I can't remember the specific, but he, I think he was talking – He at, said, thumbs down. <laughs> yep. I can't remember what he was saying it about, but he said no. something like, I'm not going to review Human Centipede. There was, uh, I think it was uh, that movie. What's what's the movie that that was a gangster film that had uh, uh, Sean Goodfellas. Connery and Matthew Broderick? The Untouchables. In it? No, the, Sean Connery and Matthew Broderick. Yeah, I think it was uh, like it's like career opportunities or something like or not. No, that's a that's a what? Clash song. That's no, it's a it's a comedy. I can't remember. Uh, family business or something like that. There was a there was a terrible. <laughs> A uh, gangster film that clearly has lived through time because I can't even remember the name of it. But uh, there was a uh, there was a reviewer who said that it was better than The Godfather, and Roger Ebert said to him, "Sometimes matters of opinion shade over into errors of fact." And I think that that's true. Very nice. There are some things that are objectively better, and it doesn't you know like obviously personal preference can come into it. There are movies that I recognize are good movies. While still not particularly enjoying them. Yeah. And you can have both feelings in your head at the same time. If you're not an idiot like your friend. Wow. Wow. I've turned. I've turned on them. Okay, I'll take over from here. Uh, <laughs> yes, there are movies that are – there are some movies that are just bad. Even if – and there are movies that people like a lot that are not very good. And it doesn't mean that uh, they're good. 
I've had, I used to have this art. I actually used to have used to have this very same argument a lot with my college roommate uh, late in the night when Star Trek Voyager was over, and there was nothing to talk about except subjective versus objective experience. And I always came down on the side of you can. There are some standards that you can judge by. Not everything is subjective. Voyager was the one with Odo on it, right? No, that was uh, was it? I, I don't remember. No, that was Deep Star Six. <laughs> it was Deep Star Six. <laughs> Voyager was the one with Lady Captain Janeway. Okay. And Star uh, Six. <laughs> and they would voyage a lot. Okay. But uh, yeah, no, I th- I think your friend is wrong. It's hard to disprove it, but you can say that. If some there's nobody, I don't think there's anyone who's like I like movies that are made bad because they tell me they're more truthful. The people who say they, the people who like bad movies usually like to laugh at them, even if they say there's something realer about them, they're still laughing at them in a way. Or they enjoy not having themselves taxed, which is not always a bad. Well, thing. Well, uh, that's not, that's not the same as a, like a poorly produced movie and a dumb movie are not the same right. thing necessarily. But uh, but I think that the, the, it enters into the same. Uh, the same conversation, you know, like a bad movie, like I am number four, um, which, which no one likes is aggressively mediocre. Like I could see someone, well, like a, like a kid enjoying it just cause it hits. Cause it's well, just yeah. like bright colors and lights. Yeah. And, yeah. and he's got his baseball cap on backwards and, <laughs> but that kid is wrong. <laughs> okay. And should be punished. So he should turn the hat around. Or? <laughs> yep. To protect his face <laughs> sure. from the shame. That's what a baseball cap's for. For blocking out shame? Okay. Baseball shame cap rays. is for telling people what team you like. For blocking out UV Ooh. shame rays. They can give you shame cancer. Nope. Okay, this is straight into well, the Well, anyway, this story. has been a not very satisfying answer to your question, but uh, I think you're right. What do you think, Stuart? Uh, personally, if somebody started making that argument with me, I would laugh and then try and change the subject. So, <laughs> Stuart uh, is good pleasant luck. and conflict-averse. Yeah, that's Well, true. I just think that's a stupid argument, and that's a type of argument that somebody would have with me that I wouldn't want to be involved in. So I'd start talking about uh, yeah, my say, favorite X-Men character. You'd say, like, whatever, dude. Or, or why, uh, what, wasn't that a great episode when Alf had to uh, help deliver that baby in the elevator? <laughs> I thought, no, you think of Zach Morris. No, I thought it was Alf. Maybe they both did it at the same time. <laughs> oh, crossover. It was the same So person. who are your favorite X-Men characters? I, I assume probably... Lila Cheney, the intergalactic rock star. Absolutely. Um, Mojo. The... Yep, Mojo and uh, Forge, the <laughs> no. guy who can invent no. anything. The no. guy whose mutant superpower is You're that wrong. he's a good inventor. <laughs> he's also a shaman. He is the same. You're objectively wrong. <laughs> he has the same mutant power as Thomas Edison. <laughs> <laughs> Except and it's wasted on fixing the blackbird all the time. <laughs> so, comics talk. <laughs> you've come, you've, you're listening to Comics Talk, the comics <laughs> podcast disguised as a bad movie podcast. <laughs> the most complicated Trojan horse podcast. Podcast out there. So thanks for all the letters, guys. Yeah, uh, thanks for all the letters. It. Let's hope you're still listening after uh, this awesome episode. What else do we do now? <laughs> well, well, it hasn't uh, been one of our huge triumphs, but it's okay. for anyone who's just coming in, coming Let's off not. the AV Club, and this is your first episode, are we supposed to feel bad about make, ourselves? Let them or? make their own decisions about it. Let's not sell ourselves out. I okay, don't... you can cut this part out. Uh, the the, but not the song. Leave the song. The, don't edit the song. The out. song should extend. <laughs> Loop it. Loop the song. Look. Throw in a beat. I'll do a couple Loop more verses. I'll, I'll just I'll just loop the song under the whole podcast. That's great. Just or end erase our voices. Just keep the song. <laughs> do a movie Cat minute that's actually thirty minutes of just the song. Okay. It'll be bigger than Ziggy. All right. So, uh, Stuart, you're asking what we do now. Yeah. What's next? 
You are a very forgetful person. Sure. You forget the segments of the podcast. Even though you've done almost 100 of them now. So now do we talk about movies we actually like? Holy shit. Perfect. Holy shit. In a a summer filled with hot superhero movies, the movie I want to recommend is Sam Raimi's Dark Man, which I I just recently rewatched, and uh, it's really awesome. And... Having, not I die, have, dark man die. Or, no, not not that one. Or not the return of Durant. No, not that one. The first one. Okay. Um, Last Tango and Dark Man. The thing that's great about it is that having Moon over I haven't man. seen it. I haven't seen it since I've seen the, <laughs> you know, the Sam Raimi Spider Man movies. And it's funny to see how much the style of Spider Man comes from uh, Dark Man. I mean, obviously you can see the Evil Dead influence, sure. but mm-hmm. like, there's many scenes that are almost shot for shot from like. The Spider-Man stuff. Well, like so. when Darkman fought Dr. Octopus. Yes, uh, that scene specifically. Uh, <laughs> so if you're out there, it's on HBO On Demand right now. Watch Darkman. It rules. <laughs> <laughs> How was that? Was that a good – that was a uh, recommendation. Uh, I, mean, I didn't even talk about uh, Invisible Mania. Movie. That was drool. I, I'm, just, yep. I'm just so happy to hear you recommend a movie you've never recommended before. <laughs> because every it's podcast – Ahead of the Family. I go out of my <laughs> – <No. laughs> No. Every podcast I go out of my way to pick a movie I haven't recommended before. Yeah. But you have the same three that you usually go to. I don't watch that many movies. <laughs> Mainly Head of the Family, Castle Freak, and Invisible Maniac. Dan? Um, well, uh, I haven't seen a lot of movies, but I did purchase a number of uh, Mill Creek Entertainment DVD collections. I purchased four uh, collections of 12 movies each. <laughs> Mill Creek Entertainment has good. bought the Crown International Film Library, and um, there's you know like there's a lot of people out there who are uh, notably uh, folks like Quentin Tarantino who are really into sort of like the grindhouse exploitation films, and uh, I've always found a lot of those movies to be more pleasurable to read about than actually watch, mm-hmm. uh, because even though there's some amazing things you can find in them, they're often draggy and terrible otherwise. Uh, but the two that I have watched already off of the Mill Creek collections, I've enjoyed. Um, one was on the cult cinema favorites and one was off of the Bombshells collection. And uh, those were Death Row Game Show and Police Women. And uh, Death Row Game Show is sort of a uh, running man style, you know, like convicts on Death Row and a game show scenario. But it was much more uh, low you know, it's, it's it's like an actual game show, just like people in the soundstage uh, doing stupid game show shit, uh, including one thing was Dance of the Seven Boners, where uh, a woman uh, comes listening. out, a woman comes out and strips, and uh, if the electrodes attached to the man's penis move, he gets electrocuted. And uh, and this that movie was, was shown to children. No, yeah. no. They showed this in schools. No, it's an R-rated, an R-rated comedy. It was a it was a dark comedy, kind of like a Par- Paul Bartel style film. It drags a little in the middle, but it's fun. And Police Women uh, is is also kind of draggy at parts, but the opening in particular is actually a really nice low budget uh, jailbreak sequence with uh, some ridiculous high kicking police woman karate in it. So uh, those were both fun. Uh, I will recommend an older film. Um, sure. Well, I, <laughs> for a change. <laughs> for a change, I'll recommend an old movie. Uh, this one is called Gertie the Dinosaur. And it is – no, it's not. Uh, it's called The Train Robbery. <laughs> the Great Train Robbery. Sorry. The Train Robbery is the one people don't really remember. The Great Train Robbery was the really good one. Okay. 
Anywho, so... <laughs> oh, uh, dead air. Oh, boy. You're recommending Baby the Lost Dinosaur, right? <laughs> yeah, it's called... <laughs> Jazz singer. It's called Baby the Lo- Legend of the Lost Dinosaur. It's called Super Mario Brothers the Movie. Uh, <laughs> I like... I recently... A movie that I... I'm a big Alfred Hitchcock fan, and one of his that I've been avoiding, I guess, for a long time was Young and Innocent, mm-hmm. because it seemed... It doesn't have the best reputation... And it didn't seem that exciting, but I finally saw it recently, and it's actually a really fun, very small-scale Hitchcock crime movie. You know, the wrong guy is is accused of a crime, and he's on the run, and he has to prove his innocence, and there's a girl that comes along with him for the ride. And it's all very light and kind of silly. It never feels that dangerous, and it never feels that suspenseful, frankly, mm-hmm. but it's always fun, and there's a lot of very funny moments of just like – you know, hip hip, I'm an English character and I'm going to interact with another character like this, what, what, governor, and things like that. Uh, and it's actually a lot of fun, and uh, I would highly recommend it. It's a, it's a good movie to watch just as like a uh, – uh, just like a surprise, just as a treat, just as a surprise. Say you come home from work, you're tired, mm-hmm. you don't have it in you to watch The Tree of Life. Sure. So you watch Young and Innocent. I've had that on my Netflix queue for a long time because it's on the uh, instant view and mm-hmm. – uh, I've been avoiding it too, just because you know it doesn't have a great reputation. But now you've sold me. It's very fun, and there's a lot of neat shots and moments in it. It's it's a it's one movie that if it came out now, people would think it was great. But just compar- like Dark Man, just like Dark Man, <laughs> but compared to Hitchcock's <laughs> other movies, it's just not as good. But okay. it's a lot of fun. So guys, and there's the and uh, the villain at the end is performing in blackface as part of his job, and it's almost like it makes the villain that much eviler because he's a racist. <laughs> Just like Elliot. Yep. No, I'm not. Don't <laughs> like, understand how Stuart cut off with just being a party animal. <laughs> uh, it's it's kind of, it's my cross to bear, to be honest with yeah. you. So uh, I think we're winding down. I think you're going to hear in our voices. <laughs> we, did we did it, guys. We made it. This is just like the end of a marathon. Our bodies yeah. yep. are shutting down. At last, the nightmare is we, over. Yep. Nipples we bleeding. Be able to turn the air conditioner back on. We just got to wrap ourselves in one of those silver blankets they give you at the mm-hmm. finish line. Yeah. Have a banana. Is that, so, uh, is that what you do after yeah, casting a man? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I thought because your body's so tired, it's devolving into chimp form. <laughs> <laughs> Bananas the only things that you want to eat at the time. All right. Well, uh, <laughs> on that note, I'd like to say goodnight. I've been Dan McCoy. I've been Stuart Wellington. And I am a very tired Elliot Kalen. Good night, everyone. Good night. So the, yeah, no, another song. Keep it <laughs> from up. From the flop house. Good night, everybody. Good night. Kids from fucking the flop like me, More saying. letters next time. I, I see mean, you as a distant, a distant, distant parent. Distant. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, when the flop house gets in the way, certainly. That's the thing. They'll understand. They'll understand when They'll they get understand. older. It's like, like, it's like King Tut's kids were like, holy shit, he was <laughs> well, building all kinds King of pyramids. Tut didn't have any kids. He died young. No, but he built all kind of no, pyramids, right? No, he did, like with he had uh, his army of uh, mummies and shit built. Yeah, exactly. Right? <laughs> kids were like, he's spending all his time with the mummies. King Tut's kids would wrap themselves in toilet paper to look like mummies. <laughs> Do you like me now, Dad? He's mm-hmm. like, no, you, you're like a stinking yeti.